Is the Bible really the true perfect Word of God? Welcome to the Biblically Correct Podcast. Shalom, y'all. Welcome to the Biblically Correct Podcast, teaching biblical correctness in a biblically incorrect world. My name is Kevin Jeffrey. I'm a Jewish follower of the Messiah Yeshua, Jesus, and I love teaching the scriptures. Is the Bible true? Is all of it true or just some of it? Is the Bible actually the word of God or of man? Is the Bible something we should pay attention to? Is it even worthy of our submission and obedience? For the Bible's entire existence, over hundreds, even thousands of years, there have been many people trying to prove that the Bible is right and people trying to prove that it's wrong. They give reasons why it is completely and categorically true and reasons why it is entirely and utterly false. Whether or not the Bible is true is at the heart of every question of biblical belief, because if it isn't true, then the God of the Bible doesn't exist and we are free to think and do as we please. But if it is true, if it really is the written word of God, then there is something greater than us who loves us, someone greater who loves us, but who we also have to answer to. Today, I want to make a case to you for the truth and perfection of the Bible, but probably not in the way you might expect. Not only am I going to show you how not to prove that the Bible is true, but I'm going to tell you the only way that you can be sure that it is. You ready? All right, let's see. Let's start by defining what we mean by Bible. What we're talking about are the collection of ancient biblical texts written somewhere between about 2,000 and 3,500 years ago by around 40 different authors comprising the 66 what are called books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. There's a part of the Bible, most of it, that is accepted by both Jews and Christians and was written mostly in Hebrew, and a smaller part that is accepted primarily by believers in Yeshua, Jesus, and was written in Greek. That's what we mean by the Bible. What we're not talking about is the more than 400 different English translations of the Bible, not to mention the countless other translations into different languages. While we can certainly have a reasonable expectation that our Bible translations are accurate and trustworthy to the extent that they can be, our goal shouldn't be to defend the integrity of a specific translation, but rather the ancient underlying text that they are intending to convey. So the perfection that we're looking for is in those original manuscripts that at the time they were written by the original authors They were written exactly as God intended, that any subsequent errors in copying or translating were the errors of man, and that the original writings are free from error, both in letter and in content. So when we ask, is the Bible true and perfect? We're asking, are the original ancient biblical writings, which are carefully represented in our Bible translations, are they true and perfect? That's the question we want to try to answer today. Now, in defense of the truthfulness of the Bible, some will reasonably point to external sources that appear to verify the Bible's credibility. For example, there are historical events that were recorded in other ancient non-biblical writings that were also recorded in the Bible. Archaeology has often unearthed evidence of ancient sites and societies mentioned in the Bible. 
Some will suggest that there are portions of the Bible that agree with our modern scientific understanding of astronomy, geology, biology, and even anthropology. So there are many different kinds of external sources or evidence that reflect on the credibility of the Bible. The reason for appealing to such external sources as proof that the Bible is true is because these sources don't have a biblical agenda. They simply represent well-established, disinterested facts that can be lined up with the biblical writings and show that the Bible does indeed include reliable aspects. Now, that said, we also shouldn't forget the subjective evidence of a changed life, that through our own personal experience, we might attribute that change, at least in part, to the Bible. That's important to mention. So while I agree that all of these things can affirm what the Bible already says, I don't think any of them should be used in an attempt to prove the truth and perfection of the scriptures. If the Bible really is the written word of God, then what authority does an external source have, specifically our limited understanding and knowledge of that external source, to inform our assessment of the divinely inspired word of God? So while any confirmation from external sources may be helpful for affirming our position regarding the reliability of the Bible, I don't find them persuasive for establishing the Bible's truthfulness or authority. They just don't have standing in the matter. So if we can't look to external sources or third parties to tell us whether or not the Bible is true, that leaves us with only one place. We need to see what the Bible has to say for itself. Let's begin with one of the primary assertions often made regarding the truth of the Bible, which is that the Bible itself claims divine authorship, that through human authors, God wrote the Bible. As evidence of this, some will point to the more than 3,000 times that the biblical authors supposedly claimed this with phrases such as, the word of the Lord and thus says the Lord. Let's look at a few of those really quickly. The first occurrence of the word of the Lord is in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord had come to Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am a shield to you. So here, the word of the Lord is God speaking to Abraham. Next, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11, it says, And there came to me a word of the Lord, saying, What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, I am seeing a rod of an almond tree. Again, the word of the Lord is God, this time speaking to the prophet. Then there's Acts chapter 13, verses 44 through 45, which says, And almost all the city was gathered together to hear the word of the Lord. But the Jews contradicted the things spoken by Paul. Now here, the word of the Lord is the things spoken by Paul. God is speaking through Paul to the people. And this is what some of the Jewish people there were contradicting. Paul's not reading or quoting the Bible. He's speaking as directed by God. So the phrase, the word of the Lord, does not seem to be speaking about the Bible, but rather the words that God was speaking to and through those who would speak on his behalf. Now let's look briefly at the phrase, thus says the Lord or this is what the Lord says. One of the first occurrences is in Exodus chapter 8, verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, and you must say to him, This is what the Lord has said. Send my people out, that they may serve me. 
So here, God is telling Moses what to say to Pharaoh, where this is what the Lord says is letting Pharaoh know that what is being relayed to him is from God. And just one more, Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 27. Here, God is explaining to Ezekiel what will happen when he goes to speak to the people. And he says, in my speaking with you, I will open your mouth and you will say to them, this is what the Lord God has said. The one who is hearing will hear and the one who is rejecting will reject for they are a rebellious house. So once again, this is what the Lord has said indicates to the people that what they are about to hear was directly from God. So the phrase, this is what the Lord says, like the phrase, the word of the Lord, is also not referring to the Bible, but is a cue to the people who are listening that the words being spoken are the words of God. So as far as the Bible is concerned, this means that we are explicitly told that some of the words that are recorded for us in its pages are the direct, unedited words of God as relayed through his people. But as we can see, in none of these instances had the Bible as we know it yet been compiled. In fact, when Moses was speaking, he had not even yet written down the Ten Commandments. Not to mention, none of these speakers were referring to anything that was actually written, but rather the verbal communication from their mouths as directed by God. Yes, these words were written eventually down and became part of the Bible, But the words themselves are not self-referencing. They're not speaking about the written version of themselves. So the idea that the Bible itself claims divine authorship over 3,000 times with phrases such as the word of the Lord and thus says the Lord also isn't very helpful in establishing the Bible's truthfulness and perfection. We can't take the parts of the Bible that demonstrate God speaking directly to his people and apply those parts to the Bible as a whole. That's just not logical. This is also true for biblical prophecies, which can be shown to have accurately predicted future events. The accuracy of certain prophecies cannot simply be extended to encompass the Bible as a whole. So the question then is, does the Bible actually say anything about itself that points to it as the written word of God? Well, let's start by taking a look at Moses. So after the exodus from Egypt, after Israel arrived at the mountain of God, Moses had been up on the mountain with him. And when he came down, he told the people everything that God had said. Then in Exodus chapter 24, verses 4 and 7, it says, And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord, and he took the book of the covenant and read it aloud in the ears of the people. And they said, all that which the Lord has spoken, we will do and obey. So God spoke to Moses and Moses wrote everything he commanded down in a book, the book of the covenant. Actually, it would have been on a scroll. He would then read from this book. And when the people heard it, they would receive it as if God himself had just spoken to them. They considered the words in the book to be God's actual words. Moses also calls this book the book of the Torah, the book of the law. And not only were the people admonished to be careful to do all the words that were written in the book, but Israel's king would be required to write a copy of it for himself 
and the original was to be kept next to the Ark of the Covenant in the holy place in the tabernacle. So this book, words on a page, as it were, was not treated casually as just some piece of literature, it, but held as something supremely sacred by the people of Israel. And if there was any doubt as to whether or not the written word in this book was indeed God's word, listen to what Moses tells the people in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 9 through 10. For the Lord will turn again to rejoice over you when you listen to the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commands and his statutes, which are written in the book of this law. Moses very clearly and unquestionably equates the voice of God with what is written in the book. The two are indistinguishable so far as the people of Israel are concerned. This means that according to the text itself, the commands of Torah, as preserved in our Bibles, are absolutely the written Word of God. So that accounts for part of our Bibles. Let's see what else we can find. The Master Yeshua regularly referred to the Hebrew Scriptures, indicating their divine value for determining what is true. First, he teaches us that the Scriptures establish Him as Messiah. In Luke chapter 24, Verse 25, it says that having begun from Moses, that is the Torah or the law, and from all the prophets, he expounded to those with him in all the scriptures, the things about himself. And several verses later in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Yeshua says, it is necessary for all the things that are written about me in the Torah of Moses and the prophets and the writings to be fulfilled. The quote, Torah, the prophets, and the writings are a reference to the Hebrew scriptures. So according to Yeshua, the scriptures explain to us who the Messiah is and tell us in advance what he would do, that he would fulfill and act in accordance with the scriptures. Paul, by the way, agrees with this when he teaches us about fulfillment in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 4, telling us that Messiah died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried, and that he has risen on the third day, according to the scriptures. The scriptures, of course, meaning the Hebrew scriptures. Yeshua also connected knowledge of the scriptures with knowledge of the power of God. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, Yeshua is replying to those who are questioning the truth of the resurrection. And he says to them, you go astray, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. In other words, Ignorance of the scriptures means ignorance of God's power. This necessarily imbues the scriptures with a power or authority that is above all other thoughts, ideas, and beliefs. The master is teaching us then that to refute or disbelieve the scriptures is to challenge and reject the power of God. The master also spoke of the infallibility of the scriptures when he said in John chapter 10 verse 35, the scripture is not able to be broken. In other words, the scriptures not only hold the ultimate power and authority, but they are totally unbreakable and irrefutable. Despite any delusion on our part to the contrary, they are perfect. And finally, Yeshua affirmed the Hebrew scriptures are in fact the written word of God. In Matthew chapter 15, 
when confronting some Jewish leaders, Yeshua quotes parts of the Torah to them in refutation of one of their misguided traditions. Then in verse 6, he says, And in so teaching, you set aside the word of God because of your tradition. In other words, the very words of Scripture that they were hearing spoken to them, that they were making null and void, were God's very own words, the word of God. So according to the Master Yeshua, the Hebrew Scriptures are God's word. Incidentally, Peter concurs with the Master when he speaks about the divine source of Scripture. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, speaking specifically about prophecy, he says that not by the will of man did prophecy of Scripture ever come, but driven by the Holy Spirit, men spoke from God. And Paul agrees with this assessment in his eloquent yet simple pronouncement concerning the entirety of what he considered to be Scripture, the Hebrew Scriptures. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that every scripture is God-breathed. So to sum up Yeshua's view about the Hebrew scriptures, the Master Yeshua points to them, the Torah, the prophets, and the writings, as the word of God, that they establish him as Messiah, they contain the knowledge of the power of God, and they are infallibly, irrefutably, undeniably unbreakable. So now we have the entire Hebrew scriptures spoken for. Three quarters of our Bible are confirmed as the written word of God. That leaves just the Greek scriptures or the New Covenant scriptures, also known, known as the New Testament. Let's see what they have to say for themselves. Now, half of the New Covenant scriptures were authored by the Apostle Paul, and Peter, who wrote two books, directly addressed the nature of Paul's writings, saying that they're difficult to understand. And he also draws a comparison between Paul's writings and, presumably, the Hebrew Scriptures. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 through 16, he writes, Our beloved brother Paul wrote to you, as he also writes in all his letters, speaking in them about certain things which are hard to be understood, which the untaught and unstable people twist as they also do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So according to Peter, Paul's writings are also considered scripture alongside the quote, other scriptures, thereby assigning them the same divinely inspired nature as the Hebrew scriptures. That's actually quite an astounding admission, but there it is. According to Peter, half of the New Covenant Scriptures are the Word of God. And unfortunately, that's the end. That's as far as we can go. It's a little shocking, isn't it? To my knowledge, what we just covered, though not exhaustive, is the extent of the essential areas of Scripture that can be explored in order to internally establish that the Bible, from beginning to end, really is the true, perfect Word of God. That is, the Bible records the spoken words of God, Yeshua speaks for the Hebrew Scriptures, and Peter speaks for Paul. But did you notice that this leaves us with a couple of problems? Because though we now have over 85% of the Bible accounted for, that means there's still about 15% for which the Bible has no internal evidence, stating that it is in fact Scripture, much less the Word of God. Nothing in the Bible clearly establishes 
the remainder of the New Covenant Scriptures as Scripture. Then there's also this. All the internal evidence that I just showed you is all circular reasoning. It's the Bible talking about itself. It's establishing that the Bible is the Word of God because the Bible says it's the Word of God. And that's a problem, not because it isn't true, but because it isn't proof. Now, granted, the Bible is not just one single source of testimony since it was written by multiple authors separated by multiple centuries. But if the claim is true that it's the written Word of God, then it's God Himself, as the Bible's sole divine author, who is making that claim making it still ultimately one single witness testifying about its own truthfulness, even if that witness is the God of the universe. So what do we have? We have external sources that indicate that at least parts of the Bible are reliable and true, but they're not authoritative sources and therefore not entirely helpful. And we have the Bible's own internal testimony as to its divine authorship, but it doesn't speak to the entirety of the Bible, plus its circular and self-asserting. Again, we have Peter testifying about Paul and Yeshua testifying about the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. But who's testifying about the words of Yeshua? And how do we know that those words were his? Even if we could categorically prove that, how would we know that what he says is true? So we can't prove that the Bible is true from external sources, and we can't prove that the Bible is true from its own internal testimony. So how can we be sure, without a doubt, that the Bible really is the true, perfect Word of God? The only way we can. Now, faith is a confidence of things hoped for, a conviction regarding matters not seen. This is an exhortation about waiting on the promises of God, yet the principle about faith still holds. Being sure that the Bible is true and perfect is not a matter of evidence even though there's an abundance of it, or being convinced of it through logic and reason, even if it's sound. It is first and foremost a matter of faith and being convinced of it because you believe. Now, you may not find that to be a satisfactory answer. You may not be a believer in Yeshua. You may be a believer, but have been looking for something objectively bulletproof so that you could convince yourself and others that what the Bible says is true. But true faith is spiritual, not material. It is itself its own internal testimony, and it's a decision that we all have to make. Faith, by definition, requires us to trust in the unheld, the unseen, and the unsure. Now, this doesn't mean that you stop being rational, and it doesn't mean that you just blindly believe the Bible without understanding how it came to be or recognizing its amazing internal consistency, or without being able to give an answer for why you believe it. What it means is that you don't need an airtight, irrefutable argument to believe that the Bible is true. Just let your faith be a witness to you and allow the Spirit of God to lead you. While both internal and external evidence can support our knowledge and belief and help us to make some sense of it, Ultimately, we will be convinced that the Bible is true when we read it and realize in our inmost being that we are hearing the voice of God. And when we listen to that voice and we hear those words, we will know it to be true because we will simply be unable to deny it.
But here's the most amazing, most important part of all. Once you take that first leap of faith to believe that only the Bible is the true, perfect Word of God, then it's the only thing you will ever need to have such faith for again. Think about it. Once you believe that one thing, that this book from beginning to end is the written Word of God, then the only logical choice is to believe in every single thing it says. The Word of God and His Word alone becomes the sole supreme guide by which to live your entire life. In fact, this is literally what happened to me and probably why I believe this so strongly. I came to trust that Yeshua is the Messiah after I read the Bible. For me, believing the Bible came first. And once I believed that, believing everything else was easy. When you believe this one thing, then you no longer have to guess what's right and what's wrong. You don't have to speculate about what is true and what is false. You don't have to wonder if the unbelievable can truly be believed. Once you take that first step and become convinced that the Bible is true, then no more leaps of faith are required. Only the faith to simply hear and follow and believe everything that the scriptures say. Yes, we won't understand everything at first, and some things are easier to understand and accept than others. There are even things that we may never understand. But if we just believe this one thing, if we affirm this one precept, that the Bible alone is the true, perfect Word of God, then all other precepts and beliefs take care of themselves. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Biblically Correct Podcast. If you like this episode and want to see us make more, then we need your help. Visit our website at biblicallycorrectpodcast.org to support the work of Perfect Word Ministries and MJMI with your much-needed donations. And of course, don't forget to like, share, comment, subscribe, and ring the bell to receive notifications whenever a new episode is posted. If you have any questions about this teaching or if there are any other topics you'd like to see me cover, leave me a comment or shoot me an email at kevin at perfectword.org. That's kevin at perfectword.org. Until next time, remember that every scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for refuting, for setting aright, and for instruction that is in righteousness, so that the man of God may be fully equipped, having been completed for every good act. Shalom.